on this episode of Radio Survivor. More coverage of the precarious predicament of small and medium-sized webcasters in the United States. They'll say, hey, we, with a heavy heart, have decided to close. Uh, we're not going to pay the royalty rate. It's just way too high for our taste. Could this really be the end? Are thousands of online radio stations about to go dark? Short answer, maybe. Nobody seems to really know. Long answer, it's complicated. Stay tuned. Welcome to Radio Survivor. This is the show about radio that matters. My name is Paul Rieswinell. I'm one of your hosts and producers. I'm Eric Klein. I am the other host and producer. And today uh, we're going to be talking about small and medium-sized internet radio broadcasters. The big story of 2016. Who'd have thunk uh, in November of 2015 that we would just uh, tiny webcasters, podcast after podcast, because... Um, who knows if there will be a tiny webcaster community in 2017, the way things look right now in January. It's yeah. very up in the air. To recap, uh, small and medium-sized webcasters, they pay royalties to the recording industry, to artists, to play music. It's required by law. And those rates skyrocketed come January 1 of 2016. They're basically – there's no exception for being tiny. Right, they yeah, have exactly. To, they have to pay the same rate that a that a, a like Pandora basically pays. Yeah, there was an exception that was in effect till the end of 2015, called the Webcaster Settlement Act of of uh, 2009, which allowed small webcasters to pay a percentage of their revenues. So they're still paying the royalty, but it would be based upon their revenues. Right, and so since many tiny webcasters would have a revenue of zero. Yeah, there was some sort of statutory minimum that they still had to pay. Uh-huh. But yeah, but in effect, if you had, let's say, $12,000 of revenue every year, um, you might pay 1000 That sounds like a huge number. Well, it depends on the webcaster. Yeah. But, but uh, I, When I think of a tiny webcaster, I think of um, someone who loves radio, a community radio DJ type person that puts out a stream but because just to they give love you it. A sense of this, the ceiling was webcasters with revenue of $1.5 million a year were still considered a small webcaster. Ah, fascinating. Because if you're bringing in that kind of revenue, you probably have costs that also parallel that revenue, right? So you may be bringing in that kind of money. It doesn't mean that you're profiting. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have gross revenue, uh, net revenue, I'm sorry, of, of, the, of that sort. So it's a fairly large kind of sort of a lower and in, in middle class of webcasters. I'm going to stop saying tiny. Yeah. If you make a million and a half dollars, that's a – But again, you may not actually make that money. If, if, if you we, bring it in and then spend it, yeah, I'm if, still if, impressed. Because of, of – of, because there's costs associated with streaming, there's you know with the hosting. There are costs associated obviously with, uh, with the uh, – w- in terms of the royalties. Plus right. you probably have talent. You have other costs associated with operating something of that scale. I think we need to constantly kind of remind people that – that there's a, that it is not cost free to do this, right? And and that usually when you scale up to that sort of revenue, it means you you've scaled up in other in other parts. It's not the thing to understand about internet radio is that it's not like regular broadcasting with an FM transmitter. If you if you can cover a radius of ten miles, let's just say, every single person in that ten miles can hear your signal. Every additional person who tunes in does not cost you anything more, right? It costs X amount of money to operate a transmitter, let's say, that's 500 watts. 
and it always costs that amount of money, right? right. Assuming that the, the cost of electricity remains static. It costs that amount of – and that doesn't matter whether you have one listener or 50,000 listeners. In many ways, you might not even know if you have one or 50,000. Exactly. On the internet, every listener costs you money. So if you have a station that is wildly successful, it could be more successful than you can afford. Right. Because every single listener will cost you additional money for streaming. And that's because that's in part because you pay uh you pay f- for the song royalties per listener. Yeah, but it's even putting that aside. And also just because of the size of the pipe yeah. required to deliver exactly. the sound. And that's part of the problem with the royalty situation now is that these small and medium-sized webcasters until uh, January 1 of this year did not have to pay royalties per listener. They could pay their royalties based upon simply that percentage of revenue. So ah. so it could – so basically their, their liability to pay royalties scaled – with the size of their operation in terms of revenue. So you could not basically be priced out of operating based upon these royalty payments. Now, beginning January 1, they pay per song per listener. So as their listenership scales up, so do their royalty payments. Regardless of whether or not there is revenue there, to compensate, and that that's that's the crux of the problem. Um, and these royalty rates were set with the likes of Pandora, right. iHeartRadio, etc. In mind, not thinking about a hobby broadcaster, that person who might be operating some, you know, a niche station of Japanese pop or polka hits or something for fun. Or even sort of a middle class kind of webcaster who might be making just enough little extra profit to to supplement the time that you know their their income, but isn't really making a real profit, you know, and and is it is bringing me revenues of twelve thousand dollars a year, which mostly goes to pay their hosting fees and their and their um and and their uh, royalty rates, so that they just weren't taken into account at all. And, and we're following this story because. What this means is that in a, a huge percentage of webcasters, especially ones who cover tiny niches, who cover th- who, who provide programming that, that really isn't available even on college and community radio because it's so niche, you know, but it's global in scope, they may go out of business. It is not clear how they should proceed, almost in the slightest. No yes. one, no one has a. Advice for tiny webcasters uh, that makes total sense, right? Because, right? Because Every, there's advice out there, yeah, but none of it is uh, fully complete advice, right? It's Be- all full of gray areas, and one reason is because that in the past. We've had these things like the Webcaster Settlement Act. They right. always kind of happen post hoc. They happen when people realize, oh no these small webcasters are going to get screwed and somehow at the, at the 13th hour, really uh, groups come together to forge these new deals right. that give them lower rates, which hasn't happened yet. In not, not in 2016 will. in back in, uh, was it 2006, 2008? Yeah. There was a similar uh, uh, rate controversy because community radio was right. concerned that it was going to be priced off the internet. Yeah, pr- uh, yeah that was community, college, and uh, public radio. Right. And now they have a fairly organized 
and routinized kind of negotiation that happens that every time these rates get renewed, yes. these groups have their sort of in with the Copyright Royalty Board and with Sound Exchange, the independent nonprofit that, that collects royalties on behalf of artists and labels, and make sure they get their requests in so that they pay rates that are commensurate with their non-commercial yeah, their mission uh, mission-based operations right so that they're not paying you know it's sort of absurd to ask a community radio station which which is a non-profit enterprise to pay the same rates as, as, as spotify or or pandora does so there's kind of a limbo happening now yeah and we're trying to learn more about it and 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 the ground keeps shifting uh one of the largest uh Hosts of independent webcasters is closing up shop on January 31st. Live 365. Did they close up because of the rates changing? So they cite two factors, one of which is towards the uh, sometime in late 2015, they lost several key investors. Okay. We don't know whether that's because they anticipated the change in royalty structure. We, we don't know any of that, but they do cite the second factor as the change in the royalty structure, hmm. because the way live 365 worked is if you were a small webcaster, you would pay live 365 to cover both your streaming and your royalties And live 365 could do that because they knew how, how many listeners you had. They knew how much, uh, you know, they knew whether or not you qualified and you'd file paperwork saying I make so much revenue or I don't. You know, and so you entered into a relationship with Live 365, and through one payment, essentially, uh, you were covered for all aspects of your webcast. So it's a nice arrangement. It's particularly good for people who might have only 50 listeners at any given time to, to carry on their webcast. Well, they're going out of business January 31st. They've told all of their broadcasters this that they are shutting down. Hmm. So this is an, and they have 5,000 stations. So just think about it. This is 5,000 stations now going homeless January 31st. Some of these stations are hosted on multiple platforms. Some are large stations. They're not all small and medium-sized webcasters who are already there for uh, paying the higher rate and have this all worked out. So not every single one of these stations is going away. Some of them are, are, are based out of Europe or other parts of the world. They're not, they don't have to uh, operate under the U.S. royalty structure, so some percentage of them will be less affected if they can find other hosts in their part of the world. But some percentage of these 5,000 small independent webcasters in the U.S. are going to go offline at least for a little while or as they figure out what's going on. So that's a massive – I mean in, in the thing I wrote in the uh, Radio Survivor Bulletin this week, um, this past week – is if this were some thousand or so commercial community or college radio stations that were about to go off the air here in the U.S., there would be this enormous outcry, you'd think. Yeah, even if they were all little low-power FM stations. Exactly. A thousand LPFMs going dark would mean something. Yeah, there would be a huge outcry. And it's these folks are so – in some ways, uh, they're they're, they're much smaller than low-power FMs in this way. And it's going unnoticed. And and that's why – A thousand people shut down their Twitter accounts. Exactly, right? It's (laughs) that's what it seems like. And yet it's somewhat more significant than Mm -hmm. that. A radio station – even even an online webcast is significant more and greater investment in time and effort, never mind money. And that's why we're highlighting it. We're trying to learn as much as we can and share as much as we can about this. Yeah. And that's why um, you talked with uh, someone at, at a company called streamlicensing.com. 
Yeah. I talked with Paul, Paul Morell, who is the uh, service representative at streamlicensing.com. Well, I, so I wanted to hear from him because they're an organization that handles these licenses for including uh, including these uh, performance royalties, but as well as other licenses for songwriting that go to organizations like BMI and ASCAP. They handle that for, for small and medium-sized webcasters. And I thought if anyone's going to be able to provide some clarity or at least explain a little bit more, it would be the folks at streamlicensing.com. Let's hope that you still feel that way after you hear the interview, because I mean, I think I think that uh, that they that stream licensing definitely has a perspective on on this current situation. Uh, they're encouraging uh, calm, and they're hoping that something will change soon. Well, we can follow up with that um, after we listen to this interview. We're joined on the line by Paul Morell, a service representative for StreamLicensing.com. Paul, thanks for joining us today on Radio Survivor. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you. So stream licensing, it helps uh, small webcasters to pay for the music that they stream, right? What essentially happens is a small webcaster, they could be sitting at the dinner table with a friend. Uh, they could have a family member, maybe some co- co-workers, colleagues. Mm-hmm. And they say, we want to put up a radio station. Under the normal procedure, you would have a lot of paperwork to do, and you'd have to notify the copyright office that you intend to use sound recordings and stuff like that. With stream licensing, you don't have to do that. You essentially would get a stream hosting provider, which we have lists of all the things you need on our website at Mm streamlicensing.com. And essentially, you would get yourself an account with a hosting provider that's compatible with our service. And essentially, you could, with a few pieces of code and a minimal account setup, your station could be legally broadcasting online. Uh, Mind you, it would be a small webcast, but it would be something that you could actually tell friends and family about and know that you are paying your royalties to, in this case, ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, SoundExchange, and SOCAN with one payment. So it's kind of a blanket license. Yep. Sort of like having a blanket when it's cold outside. Yeah. And how long has uh, stream licensing been in business? I think about four or five years. Uh, I don't recall. I was just with him for the past year, and I know he was there two years before. Essentially, uh, there was also another company called uh, Loud City, Mm -hmm. and that company was around uh, before stream licensing. In fact, there were two camps. You could either subscribe to Loud City or stream licensing, and and originally they had slightly different licensing agreements, but in the end, the people at Loud City chose to close, and all the clients were moved over to stream licensing, or at least offered the chance to move to stream licensing. Right. Okay. So now we're on the line together recording this interview because um, something something a little confusing and troubling is afoot. Uh, in 2016, it appears as though starting right when the year began, January 1st, that the rates for for your for a tiny webcaster uh, are no different from the rates for uh, a large webcaster and commercial webcaster. A commercial webcaster. And so, uh, are you fielding a lot of worried questions? From, yes, uh, from a lot your of clients? questions, a lot of cancellations. Now, let's give some background here. Originally, when the small webcaster agreement was put out, a broadcaster could sign on to streamlicensing.com, and they could get a minimal account with about 4,000 hours of listening. Uh, so basically, people could tune in for up to 4,000 listener hours a month. And the cost was pretty affordable. It was $23.50. 
So essentially, you had a nice entry-level point. $23.50, you could be legal. Mm-hmm. Not only that, you could have as many channels in your account, up to eight channels, actually. So if you had a blues channel and a jazz channel, you could comfortably do it. So if you were a small startup, you could have a couple different uh, toes in the water to see which channel would do better, or maybe have a small little group of, uh, you know, maybe rock and metal, that kind of thing. So essentially... Uh, it was pretty affordable. Everyone was pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, at the end of 2015, the small webcasters agreement was due to expire, and there was no provision in the new agreement because there was no representation at the table right? at the CRB because the, there's, there's the no copyright money. copyright royalty board. That, that's right. Yeah. Essentially, there's no money with the small webcaster. They don't have the money for attorneys, so they were just overlooked. Right. Well, so tell me about tell me about what's happening right there with uh, with stream licensing where you work. Uh, tell me about the calls that you're fielding from your clients. Well, a lot of people are saying, "Hey, uh, well, first of all, with the live 365 closure, a lot of those people are moving over here uh-huh. uh, to stream licensing, and also the mom and pops are putting in support tickets and calling and saying, "Hey, I cannot afford this new rate. I started paying." I started in December, I was playing $23.50. Then in January, due to an ASCAP increase, the fee went up to $39.50, and that got people kind of off guard. But we told everyone this was going to be an interim rate. Right, which is something, something that we forgot to, to mention since it's not, it's, not, uh, it's not related to the Copyright Royalty Board decision to, to, to not renew the lower rates for small webcasters. It's another, it's another addition to the bill. Of a tiny that's webcaster. Right. Yeah, that's correct. So essentially, we had to we had to raise prices to satisfy our ASCAP requirement, and then we had to raise the price again to include a payment that would be reasonable to Sound Exchange while we work on reestablishing a small webcaster agreement through advocacy efforts and ah, so on. Ah, so haha! You just the the key word there is reasonable. What what did you guys come up with? In well, essentially, opinion. we had to add another $20 to everyone's bill. So if you had the entry-level package, 4,000 hours ATH, aggregate tune-in hours, plus you have to report your revenue. So if you make, a, let's say you sell T-shirts and you make, uh, let's say you have a $100 in revenue, mm-hmm. you have to report that because we also pay a percentage to uh, a sound exchange for that as well. So that huh. takes your bill up a little bit more. It's hard to make money with all this because the reality is you're – as soon as you start making some money, it starts going up pretty quickly. And for the small webcaster, they just don't have the budget. Uh, Radio Survivor noticed that the sign-up form on Stream Licensing's website is asking for gross monthly revenue. Uh, since the rates currently in effect don't take into account webcaster revenue, do you know why you still ask that question? We still ask that question because we have to uh, basically do it for our particular setup to make this work. Mm-hmm. Essentially, we ask for the gross revenue because that's part of what we do, uh, how we kind of compete. Because there are providers, our um, BMI, ASCAP, and CSAC, uh, all of them want to have their their cut of your revenue. Uh So essentially, we have to do that. And of course, we have to leave the room open, the margin, to actually keep the resources going. So there is a streamlicensing.com. Uh-huh. So essentially, we have to ask for gross revenue. Most people who sign up with our service don't have any gross revenue. So the minimum is twenty bucks, and uh, essentially that's what people report. Yeah, I, I can't. I can hardly even imagine uh, making a dollar off of a, an internet uh, web stream. 
It's difficult. It is real difficult unless you're a talk station and you've got original content. Mm, sure. I so would I would imagine though that most people doing this um, are are not doing it uh, with any revenue uh, generation in mind. Most folks are zero dot zero, and I yeah. hear that over and over again. So yeah, but but, but their but their rates are going up nonetheless. Their rates are going up to uh, at this point fifty nine dollars and fifty cents beginning in February a month, a month. Okay, and that just is our entry level rate for those of us who have bigger streams. If you've got more listenership, uh, if you have a higher aggregate tuning hours, maybe you did a fundraiser, your payment for the royalties is going to be reflected right. in that. But let me and, uh, let me get back to the the paying twenty extra dollars. Is that is that exactly what? Uh, the new uh, copyright royalty board rates uh, require, or is, you, you said reasonable, so you're you're paying slightly less? We are basically, we had to work up something that we would be able to present right. to SoundExchange to say, hey, you know, we, we, we want to, you know, get this rolling, and we want to keep doing business as stream licensing. Right. If we had not raised the rate, we would have had to close. Yeah. No way around it. Uh, and so... Uh, do, have you seen a lot of webcasters deciding to to shut down? Oh yes, lots of them. Yeah, we get tickets all the time. When the invoice comes in, they'll say, "Hey, we with a heavy heart have decided to close." Uh, we've also had people, uh, veterans, uh, folks, um, you know, different people with disabilities, retired people. Right. They're saying, "No, we're not going to pay. Uh, we're not going to pay the royalty rate. It's just way too high for our taste." Okay. So tell me about. Uh, stream licensing's plan now for 2016. Uh, I, I imagine you were sort of taken by surprise in December when when the notion of these rates increases uh, was made public. But but what what's the plan now? Well, the plan is we're going to do the best we can to get something uh, hammered out. We're going to uh, promote advocacy. So if any of you hear about efforts, uh, petitions, contacting congressmen. Mm-hmm. Essentially, we would really encourage you to follow any of these efforts, uh, grassroots efforts, to try to get a small webcaster agreement. Because for a lot, for stream licensing to continue, we need a small webcaster. Right. Because Marvin Glass of Stream Licensing, actually my boss, uh -huh. has said that the new rates are not manageable for small webcasters. Yeah, uh, and uh, as far as you know, though, uh, that that organizing effort has hasn't taken place yet. So why aren't you uh, just calling it a day and giving up because because the rates are too high? Why why not just uh, uh, call this a tiny webcaster Armageddon? Well, I would say uh, my personal reason is I still think there's hope, and the rate for me isn't that bad. For instance, my rate for stream licensing is going to be one hundred thirty eight dollars and fifty cents. If you are passionate about what you do and you've controlled your broadcast, in other words, limited your listenership, made sure to do your homework, you know, don't let people stay on for four days, uh -huh. and you have done your part, and you are realistic about what you're doing, the webcast, you know, it's inconvenient right now, and we want better rates, mm -hmm. but you can still keep broadcasting. There's no reason to shut it down. Did you say that you're a small webcaster? Yes, I am. What, what's, your, what's your radio? Uh, let's see, I have uh, alltimeoldies.com. Uh-huh. We also have uh, superalternative.net and we've also got uh, All Time Oldies the radio theater channel which plays classic radio dramas. Ah. <laughs> and we've also got RTC Music Channel which is basically 
the golden age of radio, but music, uh, big band sound, essentially. Right. And so those are, um, are these hobbies of yours or are these small businesses that you run? They're basically a hobby, so to speak. Um, We have ad supported. If you go to any of the websites and you listen to the streams, you'll notice you'll hear a pre-roll before the stream starts. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and essentially what happens is during the various parts of the hour, we play commercial inserts that are provided by our our provider. So we are trying to take steps to monetize what's there to at least cover our bills. Fascinating. So you have, you have uh, two dogs in this fight, as it were. I sure do. Yeah. I mean, I've asked you, but I, I'll ask again, like, what, what happens now? I mean, are you guys talking with SoundExchange or do you... Uh, our uh, uh, stream licensing is talking with Sound Exchange, okay. making sure you know, working up a deal, working up whatever can be done. Of course, the lobbying effort, the real solution, is going to be to get a small webcaster agreement. Uh, the good news is, if you sign up with something like stream licensing today, uh-huh. um, my boss is not going to say, "All right, you've been with us for two weeks. Our rate went up." We're going to charge you more. What you pay today mm-hmm. will be what you pay for the next 30 days. And at this point, the rates are where they're going to be for now. And essentially, if we get a small webcaster agreement, then the rate will be adjusted. If we don't get a small webcaster agreement, then we will uh, make a necessary adjustments. There's no guarantees, but just know that today, small webcasters who have a smaller audience and maybe, you know, let's say you're just starting a small station. If you have the budget, you could start with us uh, with relatively, um, I think, like your $79.50 if you don't have any revenue. Mm-hmm. It's a $20 setup fee. And then basically, uh, your hosting, of course, you got to pay for the hosting for whoever you use to host. So it's still very doable. It's just that a lot of folks, you know, they look at this thousands, how much, uh, so much uh, per song. That can get very, very uh, daunting if you. You know, we don't track that. We simply charge you based on aggregate tune-in hours. Right. Can you explain what stream licensing offers? Uh, so, I mean, why why wouldn't a tiny webcaster uh, just go ahead and and make the payments directly to SoundExchange, ASCAP, and BMI? What what's the advantage uh, of working with this? Okay. Well, generally, stream licensing doesn't charge upfront fees. We charge the upfront fee to start service, but when you go direct to the pros. You first have to go and pay BMI, so that's uh, 300 and something dollars. I mean, it depends on what you want, but you have to, first of all, navigate the website, figure out what BMI wants. Then you have to go to the CSAC site, and you have to navigate and make sure to fill out the right form for that. You have to fill out the ASCAP form, and then you get to do the big thing, which is sound exchange, and for their direct licensing, each station has to pay an upfront fee of $500 per channel. So if you have 10 channels, you're going to be paying a whole bunch to sound exchange. Mm-hmm. So the big thing is if you just want to put a stream up and you want to start broadcasting and you want to get started with your program without a commitment and without any major repercussions if you stop broadcasting, you go to stream licensing and just pay our you know, our startup fee for the basic channel, $79.50 for the one channel. And, and basically it's all available at streamlicensing.com. Um, and essentially, um, you can save yourself a lot of grief. We do the reporting for you. We basically capture the data from your Shopcast or Icecast stream, mm-hmm. and we file the reports. You just pay your bill and submit your revenue each month. Tell us what's up. And, of course, make the slight changes to the web page. 
Every account that's created gets sent a very useful packet of information, what to do to the website, how to be compliant. Very nice stuff. Yeah. Um, Paul Morell of streamlicensing.com, thank you so much for spending uh, this time to explain uh, how you see things here at the Radio Survivor Podcast. And if anything, um, if any news breaks, uh, please don't hesitate to, to reach out to us to let us know what, what's new for the tiny webcasters of the world. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Well, that was Paul Morell from streamlicensing.com. He talked with Eric about their business and how they're coping with this monstrous change in the performance royalties that small and medium-sized internet radio broadcasters are liable to pay to artists and record labels via the organization known as Sound Exchange. And it's got to be tough to be streamlicensing.com right now because as, as was very clear from that interview is that there's a whole lot of mystery going on. Now, it does sound like they're talking to Sound Exchange, right? And and they're not telling us exactly what, what they're hearing back, if anything, or what that conversation is. So because what's interesting to me is that they're charging what sounds like to me less than what the new rates are. And maybe it's a sort of middle ground. You know, I don't know exactly what the yeah, logic is behind when, during, that. During the interview, we put a big, uh, exciting, underlined, bold quotation marks around the word reasonable. Yes. Uh, Paul Paul from Streamlines is saying mentioned reasonable rates. That's what we're asking our customers to provide uh, to stay on the air. Yeah. And, and I believe one of the big question marks comes from the fact that the Copyright Royalty Board still has yet to release the full text of their opinion. Oh. So the highlight, like the actual rate is known, but like the full text opinion, which is sort of like a Supreme Court decision, right, has not been released. But it's already been three weeks since the rates took effect. That's right. <laughs> Hence, you can see why there's a lot of anxiety. So at this point, uh, near the, the end of our discussion of of this topic for this episode, what are the big questions in your mind? <laughs> well, the big questions, is anything going to change? So um, is this rate that has been set where stations are obligated to pay, uh, it is uh, 0.17 cents per song per listener. Yeah, which is about 10 times as much, right? Wasn't it? No, it so it's it. They didn't pay per song per listener. Oh, right, right. It's like just it's just a new way to it, pay. In result, yeah. it results in that their aggregate payment is about ten times as much for a lot of webcasters. Is as much as ten times as much. How much you paid was was previously right. a, a portion but of. But it's your, the, of it's your the kind revenue. of thing that a tiny webcaster never had to calculate before, and now they're Correct. being required. Exactly. Okay, and therefore for most of them means their rates are going up and going up by a lot. Yeah. So the question up now is, will this continue to be the law of the land or will another deal be struck? Will there be a deal that happens that allows small webcasters to pay less? I mean, that's basically right. and, basically what's happening and, here. And the reason why it's not unreasonable to suspect that that's possible is that uh, similar things have happened in the past. Well, right. In fact, Kinda. it's happened. It has happened since internet 
radio has been liable to pay performance royalties. So since this became law, Mm -hmm. these settlements have been negotiated. But usually, as I mentioned at the top, at the 13th hour. Yeah. Literally after sort of the rates go into (laughs) effect. And that's because there is no National Association of Small Webcasters. Right. The NFCB represents community broadcasters. There's two groups that represent college broadcasters. Public broadcasting has its own representative. And Christian non-commercial broadcasters have their own representative. There is no representative there to to bring these interests. And what's interesting is that Live 365, which we mentioned at the top of the show, which is going out of business – in the past, because they had so many small webcasters on their platform, did do some of that work. Uh-huh. Helped to represent and negotiate these oh, deals. So that, that might be a part of the puzzle. And why, part did this, of, yeah. why did this fall through the cracks? Yeah, they, and what I understand is they were not at the table this time around because they lost investments, were basically spiraling down their services and getting ready to shut down January 31. It doesn't mean all is lost, right? But what it does mean is that work is there to be done. So um, the, the Future of Music 13th Coalition – 14th and 15th hour. Yes, I know. Uh, the Future Music Coalition um, has put up a website called radiodiversity.org. Right, and that, this is fascinating because the Future of Music Coalition – Represents artists and labels. Yeah, they're they're this principally they're, independent artists and labels. But sort yes. of, I guess it's it's like a um, someone's got to do the job, right? Here comes the future of music coalition. Well, I mean, they're based in D.C., right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and they do a lot of this sort of work. They advocate on behalf of artists um, and and small labels. And they, uh, you know, what they say is that we support fair and transparent payment to artists and rights holders when their work is used. They have certainly advocated uh, in favor of big companies like Pandora paying more to artists, paying greater royalties. But they say also on the website, and I'm quoting, we also recognize that small broadcasters are vitally important to music culture, whether it's small community FM stations or online webcasters who program niche music and artists you might not hear elsewhere. Commercial FM radio is increasingly focused on narrow, repetitive playlists due to consolidation and station ownership. By contrast, webcasting reflects far greater diversity, from cutting-edge releases by contemporary artists to America's rich and valued musical traditions. And unlike commercial FM, internet radio pays musicians and labels. We believe Artists and small webcasters are on the same team. Let's keep it that way. We're optimistic that a solution can be found to allow many small commercial webcasters to continue to operate and ensure that great music continues to get played and artists continue to get paid directly, transparently, and fairly. So they've uh, put together this website. They're asking people to sign up there. That's at radiodiversity.org so that they can begin to figure out what kind of action can be taken. Um, so there you go. There's the beginning of the organizing effort that Paul Morell from Streamlights was hoping was taking two place online somewhere. petitions that are going on, and we'll get those into the show notes yeah. at radiosurvivor.com/slash/podcast. Um, again, those petitions are sort of more independent actions; like there's no single kind of group behind them, but they're petitions nevertheless. Part of the problem here is that there's sort of this distributed responsibility. So the Copyright Royalty Board, which is a part of the Library of Congress, is responsible for setting these rates. And these rates are – they apply unless you strike another contract. So if I had like say a label 
uh, that, you know, and I was working with a, 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 a webcaster and that webcaster only played music from my label. Mm-hmm. We could reach our own deal and the copyright royalty board ruling would not matter. So we could have our own situation, our own deal, and that would be legitimate. Or um, as we, I talked about uh, the show uh, two episodes ago, uh, there's Soma FM is a station, uh, sort of it's a sort of a conglomerate of, of independent stations, and because they play some uh, music that is really exclusively independent artists who really don't have labels. Um, Rusty Hodge, who is the operator of, of that uh, right. group of stations, he said, you know, we th- I believe that at least a couple of my stations, I can arrive at independent agreements with the majority of artists and labels. And this is how WFMU runs its uh, a few of its streams, I believe. They, right. They have via the uh, via free music, archive. the free music archive. They right. Have, they, have some, they have alternate agreements with the artists. Right. Exactly. So that that is, that is something that could, that can happen. But. Putting aside, if you don't have such agreements, and that's a lot of effort to strike, and of course it means that a lot of music would be counted out, you have the statutory agreement, which the Copyright Royalty Board puts out. So SoundExchange collects these royalties, but it is not necessarily in a position to set new rates on its own, because it's the collection agency, not the rate-setting agency. And... My understanding is, and I, and I, I want to say that this is my understanding. I've not been able to get a very clear statement from anybody on this, but that is that Sound Exchange might be able to strike some new royalties for small webcasters. But there's a caveat because Sound Exchange does not necessarily represent every label and every artist working in the U.S. They do that. There could be some folks left out of that which could create more problems than it solves. So let's just say that sound exchange has relationships of some sort, direct contractual relationships. People get checks and they know everything's registered with sound exchange um, for like 80% of artists and labels in the U S let's just say that for argument's sake, there might be 20% out there who wouldn't be covered by that deal. And they could come back and say that a small webcaster, well, where's my 0.17 cents per listener per song. I don't care about your sound exchange contract. Because, well, I don't contract with Sound Exchange. I don't collect money on my behalf. So I want my money. It's confusing. How would those – we shouldn't even answer this question. But how does that artist even know that they got played on this tiny web stream? I mean, how does anyone – how does anyone know you're not a dog on the internet? Yeah. I mean, but, but yet – Broadcasting dogs and cats all well, over. Well, I mean, but you – I mean, it's obtainable. Uh, every web broadcaster is – required to keep a log of every song played and how many listeners there were. Right. So the records exist. You could subpoena those records, I'm, I'm assuming, <laughs> if you wanted to. I mean, you know, it gets very complex. And, you know, I am not a lawyer, so I, and I, I'm trying to I put a big caveat that I'm, I'm going out on a limb with this information, but it's just trying to make sense of it. And so, yes, there are people who are activating now to try and find that settlement. It may require congressional action. The Webcaster Settlement Act of 2009 was an actual law which gave SoundExchange the authority to make these new uh, to make these new rates, the rates which allowed webcasters to pay a percentage of their revenue. And it required Congress to give them that authority to make it stick across the board. 
Are you saying that that uh, the fate of small webcasters is going to be a an election year issue? Uh, who knows? I mean, I don't know <laughs> this. Um, it uh, you know it could be possible that the copyright royalty board could also take additional action or or give authority. It's a lot of unknowns. But what this means anyway is that if you are a small or medium sized webcaster, you have to basically do a risk assessment. Can Am I willing to stay broadcasting right now hoping that the rates will go down or do I try to find a way to pay the new rates or do I go off the air? And, and one, one option is to work with, with uh, streamlicensing.com and to hope that paying streamlicensing.com is sufficient to cover you. It's sort of a due diligence sort of thing. Yeah. Um, according, right. according to the person we spoke with at streamlicensing.com, yes. they have a reasonable plan forward. Right. So, uh, and, and, and so you could work with them as a way and, and your rates will be higher than they were in 2015, but the weight rates that he quoted to me did not seem, or quoted to you did not right. seem outrageous to me. Um, in, in, you know, from what I know and understanding that whatever money you pay to streamlicensing.com is only covering your royalties. The cost for streaming, the actual service, is a whole other ball of wax that you will have to deal with, but those costs shouldn't change hmm. for the actual internet service. So as a smaller, medium-sized webcaster, those are, those are the questions that you face. You know, Interestingly, uh, there's one other wrinkle to this. That there is a company called Radionomy based in Belgium, and they provide um, a, a streaming radio service not unlike Live 365, except – they have a different revenue model and their revenue model is you come on board as a broadcaster. You actually don't pay them any money, but in exchange for them being able to run ads in your stream, uh, your stream is free and you also have the opportunity to share in that revenue. And they do say on their website at radionomy.com and I'm quoting music licensing coverage. We have you covered. <laughs> we cover all of the music licensing necessary to stream online. You just program the music and content you love. That, is that the same message they had on there in uh, November of 2015 before I presume so. changed? So, did, so did they just not update their FAQ I, at the moment? Uh, I, you know, I, We'd like to hear. We'd yeah, like to know yeah, the I, answer. I don't – I mean, yeah. Exactly. I, I can't say. I don't know. I don't. So what I will say is that, you know, it seems as though if you were to sign on as a broadcaster with Radionomy, they're telling you they cover this. I have reached out to them in the past week asking if they would speak to us on the record to, to kind of clear this up. Uh, because what I've read in a lot of internet forums amongst uh, the internet broadcasters, many of them are skeptical. Uh, they worry about getting a bill or getting contacted for royalties, uh, in particular because the company's not based in the U.S. because it's based in Belgium, um, where uh, the the regulatory regimes are different. Um, and so it's not that I'm saying I I doubt it. It just I would like uh, would like clarification. So certainly, uh, if anyone from Radionomy is listening, I've contacted you at please contact us podcast at radiosurvivor.com and we'd be glad to uh, talk with you uh, so you can talk and, and share a little bit uh, with our listeners how uh, a smaller medium-sized webcaster could could join on uh, the, the caveat I'll put out about radionomy is that they actually have a a listening hour minimum 
So they only want webcasters of a certain minimum size. So if you fall below that minimum, you will, they will not continue to host you. Hmm. And I'm sure that has to do with their ability to monetize that, that there's streams of a, uh, only of a certain size are ads worth anything on, right? Because it's, ads are based upon how many people heard them. So, you know, that is a caveat that all, not necessarily every small webcaster will have an audience large enough necessarily to be able to uh, join on with Radionomy. But those who could, it could be an option. Um, and we would love to know a little bit more about that. So we'll continue to cover this because uh, I will repeat this because I think it's a very important point that is easy to miss is that what we are looking at is the potential for thousands of small radio stations in the United States to go away to be forced off the air because they can't afford to pay the necessary royalties to stay on the air. Not because they are trying to avoid paying the royalties, not because it's an avoidance to try and pay basically what the future music coalition would call a fair share to artists and musicians. It's because these royalties have been set at a rate in which is beyond basically their operating costs, right. their the Pandora, operating budget, their The income. Pandora-sized rate as yeah, opposed to exactly. The- um, and, and if we were seeing this many low power FM stations, community stations, mom and pop commercial stations going off the air in the U S I think we would hear an outcry. Um, and so I, to some extent, I'm hoping to bring some awareness to it and understand that many, uh, there are many low power FM stations that got their start as, as internet right. broadcasters. If they were nonprofits, uh, then there's there's another regime they can often pay different royalty rates. But if they weren't able to become nonprofits yet, a lot of you know, again, this is about innovation. This is about you know, in some ways, small businesses. It's about people trying new broadcast techniques and seeing if they'll float. And part of the great part about internet broadcasting for nearly the last twenty years has been this this low barrier to entry to start broadcasting to try things out and see if they grow. And if they grow to the size of a Pandora, which at one point was just a small little startup in the Bay area. If they grow to that size, then yes. So should the share that they pay to the artists whose music they play. But it's been great in the past for there to be small stations that could experiment at a relatively low cost until they catch on and, and, and listenership and revenues catch up. That is the open question is will, 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 will the internet of tiny radio, uh, yeah. Look the same in 2017 as it did in 2014. Will the low power FM of uh, <laughs> of, of the web. internet broadcasting still exist? We'll continue to follow it. Um, if you have questions, we'll try to answer them. Certainly, uh, my looking into a lot of this was brought on by reader questions and and people responding to our newsletter, which you can subscribe to at radiosurvivor.com, and people also responding to the podcast. So drop us a line, podcast at radiosurvivor.com as we try to make sense of this and and hope that uh, internet radio in the U.S. continues to stay diverse and interesting and gives opportunity for new broadcasters to uh, get into the game. We should say that if you want us to spend more time on the story and actually uh, uh, dig deep and spend, spend a couple hours a day on such a thing, uh, consider looking at our Patreon campaign where, where where this work gets funded. The sole funding for our work here at Radio Survivor is that Patreon campaign that you can find out more if you go to radiosurvivor.com slash support. support. <laughs>
Yep. RareSurvivor.com slash support uh, with Patreon. You pledge a small amount every single month so that we have this sort of dependable source of income. Even a dollar a month goes a long way to helping us out to do what we do. Um, if you can give more, that's also greatly appreciated. And as well, um, we can take a one-time donation via PayPal. So you can put it on your credit card if you like. Go to radiosurvivor.com slash support. And we do want to hear from you. Um, and also, we'd love it if you'd rate us at iTunes. We haven't asked in a while, and I think we should. Um, when you click some stars or leave a review, that helps other people find us. And since, you know, there's not a lot of folks talking about uh, this situation with small and medium-sized webcasters. Yeah. If there is a small and medium-sized webcaster podcast that we don't know about, please uh, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Let us know. But by you reviewing or but clicking some stars. Are exceptional. As far as we know, we're you the will, only one. Well, you'll help spread the word. Yeah. So if you, if you think more people should know about this and try to have an understanding of this, um, you can help us and help uh, spread the word by letting people know about the show. So uh, rate us or review us at iTunes or let someone else know about the podcast. Uh, send, it, send them a link, uh, tweet it out there, put it on your Facebook page. Um, make a nice Instagram. What about the forums at Radio Survivor? Is this, is this getting talked about there? It's been talked about a little bit, absolutely, and there could be greater discussion. Um, one of the things we do on the forums is try, you know, people ask questions often. It's like, well, what is, people have said, well, you know, so what, uh, with Low Power FM, can I get a station now? Right? Yeah. Can I apply for a station now? And we, we explain it, or people have said, you know, pose other questions uh, that we try to get an answer. And you can sort of tap into the hive mind of Radio Survivor uh, listeners and readers. Uh, I like to think it's a pretty level-headed bunch. Yes. And there's a lot of expertise out there. A lot of you have uh, amazing expertise in areas like engineering and broadcasting, often with regard to these royalties, with webcasting, and a lot of areas in and around radio. And so the more people who participate, the greater the knowledge base that we build up. Go to radiosurvivor.com slash forum. Well, once again, thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us and to listen. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week.